Donald Trump has now made more than 10,000 false or misleading public statements. He's not just a pathological liar, he is now a mythological liar. I wish. Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. That's why. I got the feeling that something ain't right. No, it ain't. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs. Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle with you. Here I am. Yes, I'm stuck in the middle with you. From Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles, it's the broadcast as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in LA. Also in Red Bluff and Redding, California on KFOI, Round Mountains, KKRN, and Eureka's KGOE. Up in Oregon on the Central Coast on KYAQ, Cottage Grove's KSO, and Eugene's KEPW. Out in Lancaster, Pennsylvania on WLRI, Maui, Hawaii's KAKU. In Columbus, Ohio on WGRN, Palinville, New York's WLPP. In Grand Rapids on WPRR, New Orleans, WHIV, Gallup, New Mexico's KNIZ, in Concord, New Hampshire on WNHN, Fayetteville, Arkansas's KPSQ, in Seattle on KODX, Goldendale, Washington's KBGD, in Janesville, Wisconsin on WADR, and Minneapolis, St. Paul's AM 950 KTNF. We also stream coast-to-coast and around the globe every day on some fine internet streaming affiliates such as the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Indie Media Weekly, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, GDPR, Revolution 99, Workforce Rising, Deprogrammed Radio, and Detour Talk, Blanketing Planet Earth five days a week. I'm Brad Friedman. Your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, and all-around swell fellow says me from bradblog.com. Desi Doyen, why are you smiling already? What did I do? (laughs) Have I already caused too much trouble? Welcome to the show. Every day. Yeah. All right. Well, stand by. There's a lot coming today. Um, Let's, uh, I guess let's start here uh, with... uh, (laughs) This is kind of a remarkable study from the Washington Post, and it seems apt with everything that is going on here today. Researchers embarked on a novel study intent on measuring what a Princeton philosophy professor contends is one of the most salient features of our culture, the ability to play the expert without being one, or as the social scientists put it, the ability to BS. Research by John Jerram and Nikki Schur of the University College of London and Phil Parker of the Australian Catholic University attempted to measure the pervasiveness of this trait in society and identify its most ardent practitioners. Not by person, we'll get to that in a bit, but by country. Uh, study participants were asked to a- assess their knowledge of 16 math topics on a five-point scale ranging from, oh, never heard of this math topic, to know it well, understand the concept. Crucially, however, of those 16 math topics that they were uh, supposed to rate themselves on, three of the topics were completely made up. They were complete fabrications, including uh, proper numbers, subjunctive scaling, and, of course, declarative fractions. 
Those who said they were knowledgeable about the fictitious topic were categorized as BSers. These were people who knew what subjunct subjunctive scaling and declarative fractions were. Now, Desi Doyen, I tested you on this. <laughs> yes, you did. I did, and uh, I asked you uh, how well you knew these particular topics to rate them from zero to five, from never heard of it to, uh, oh, I know it very well, understand the, uh, the, the concept. How did it go, Des? <laughs> well, it didn't go perfectly well, I would say. No? Well, it went well for me. I enjoyed myself. You actually said <laughs> you had never heard of subjunctive scaling or declarative fractions. However... You said you were an expert in proper numbers. Well, I said I was familiar <laughs> with and understood the uh -huh. concept of proper numbers. Yeah. I can defend myself on that oh, one. Oh, really? Try. Yeah. Go ahead. Please do. Because Why did you say you were five, know it well, understand the concept of proper numbers when there is no such thing <laughs> as proper numbers. Because I was thinking they were talking about prime numbers, which I thought, well, that's yeah, pretty simple. I remember that. Prime numbers. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's what, what you I were confused. <laughs> Is that, what, is that what you're going with? And I with? was like, maybe I'm... Okay. Wait, is that the right word? Yeah. No, that's probably the right, okay. right, the right word. So, yeah, that's where I was. All right, But well, the other two, I was like, no, I've never heard of them. Oh, yeah, no, you were totally it honest on that. just close just enough to make me think I knew what I was liar <laughs> on proper numbers. That's fine. Now, of course, I asked, I asked myself this test, and that's not a perfect uh, test to ask your oneself, since I already knew they were fake, but I thought to myself, well, if I was asked that, I think I would have admitted, no, I've... I've never heard of these things. Yeah. But maybe that's why I'm uh, not a very good uh, liar. And as you'll see in the rest of this story, maybe you'll see why uh, I, I, I could have been more successful had I decided to be a liar. <laughs> now, of course, when I tell you that I would have said I didn't know anything about these uh, three topics... I could be lying. Also so, true. you know, you never you have to go with what you got. <laughs> anyway, as the Washington Post reports, using a data set spanning nine predominantly English-speaking countries, researchers delineated a number of key findings. First, men are much more likely than women to master the art of hyperbole, as are the wealthy relative to the poor or middle class. North Americans, meanwhile, of all of these English-speaking countries around the world, North Americans, meanwhile, tend to slip into this behavior more readily than English speakers in other parts of the globe. So we are number one. And if there were a world championship as a true devotee, might appreciate the title for the uh, biggest liars, I guess, would go to, surprisingly enough, Canada. According what? to I know. Right. That's what I say when I read it. I. Kind of shocking, actually. I would have pegged the rich white boys here in the U.S. as the biggest stars in that By regard, far. frankly, right? So Canada, turns out they're polite, but they're a bunch of liars. The study drew from the Program for International Student Assessment, which administered the test to tens of thousands of 15-year-olds worldwide. The data revealed that boys across all nine countries boys were significantly more likely than girls to pretend expertise. That I am not at all surprised to hear. No comment. I'm not talking to you anymore, <laughs> liar. 
Interestingly, the gender gap for this trait in the U.S. is the smallest among the countries studied. So uh, other countries, you had boys lying much more frequently than girls. But here in Desi Doyen's country, <laughs> the uh, the difference between the men and the women was um, was much less. There's also a significant class difference with respondents from the wealthiest households showing a greater proclivity toward overstatement than those from the poorest households. As with gender, however, the gap in the U.S. is the smallest among the countries surveyed. So I guess here in the U.S., we're all liars, men and women, rich and poor, although men still have an advantage there and uh, the rich still have an advantage there as far as lying. Taken as a whole, the results appear to suggest that the countries with the greatest propensity toward bombast at this point in the uh, Washington Post uh, report, they're coming up with all kinds of new names they for lying. They had to lying. get out the yes. thesaurus for now that one. Now it's the bombast. Anyway, the uh, as a whole, the results appear to suggest that countries with the greatest propensity towards it have the smallest variances between the groups living within them. So in the U.S. and Canada, for instance, there may simply be so much BS going around that everyone ends up partaking in it. The study also found that the true practitioners are more likely to, quote, display overconfidence in their academic prowess and problem-solving skills. The individuals most likely to claim to be math whizzes, in other words, are also the most likely to claim expertise in subject areas that simply do not exist. That finding, according to the uh, study's authors, suggests that people who are particularly boastful of their abilities should be treated with some skepticism. Mm. Any of this sounding familiar for anybody we know <laughs> other than Desi Doyen? <laughs> uh, nonetheless, by the way, the study also gives reason to believe there's a uh, useful life skill to be had here, such as the ability to bluff your way to success. Being able to BS convincingly may be useful in certain situations like job interviews, negotiations, grant applications, becoming president of the United States, the study authors write. Actually, they didn't say that part about president of the United States. I added that part in. But uh, yeah, uh, that would uh, be a plausible explanation, they write, for why kids from wealthy families are more likely to adopt this behavior and uh, they are because they are taking cues from their successful parents. In other words, lying works. The study also suggests that men's higher propensity toward the behavior, quote, could help them earn higher wages and explain some of the gender wage gap, according to the uh, co-author Nikki Shure. She says this has important implications for thinking about tasks in job interviews and how to evaluate performance. Yes, it suggests that you would be uh, wise to lie, it seems, in your uh, job interviews. You may get hired more often and you may make more money at it. Well, there has been and there has been some uh, academic research showing that uh, women mm -hmm. are less likely to apply for a job if they don't have something like 80% of the qualifications that the employer has either requested yeah. or required. Whereas men will apply for the job if they only maybe meet 50, 60% of Dudes it. don't care. They no. don't care. Where oh yeah, I can do that. Sure. What I know how to do that. I have a lot of skills in it. But girls are socialized differently to don't mm -hmm. try if you don't think you're going to make it. You know, if you can't if you can't do it perfectly, don't do it at all.
And that's a lot, I think, that is mm-hmm. also a factor in the socialization of men and women. Oh, boys will be boys. Oh, he's just being confident. Oh, but she's being arrogant or, you know, any other number yeah. of socially uh, unacceptable behaviors for girls to exhibit along the same lines of this. So I, I can see how it have lots of different sociological implications. Socially unacceptable, even though you told a great big lie about proper numbers. Now, I'm hoping you're not going to be telling us any lies in your Green News report coming up a little bit later in the program. That's what you say. (laughs) It's like the old puzzle. One of them always lies. One of them always tells the truth. How can you figure out which one is which? Anyway, it's pretty easy to figure out which one is which when it comes to the president of the United States. Which, uh, as you may have heard, hit a milestone uh, this uh, past week as the Washington Post has been documenting Donald Trump's what they call falsehoods and misstatements. Uh, He has now gone over 10,000 of them since becoming president in just over two and a half years. And Jimmy Kimmel noticed noticed a, a bit of a tell that the president has when he is telling a lie. You know, according to the Washington Post, since taking office, Donald Trump has now made more than 10,000 false or misleading public statements. Ten, he's not just a pathological liar, he is now a mythological liar. <laughs> and this is a staggering statistic. Trump managed to rack up 171 false or misleading claims in three days between Thursday of last week and Saturday. That averages 57 lies a day. And the lies are picking up steam. It took them nine months to rack up the first 5,000 lies. The next 5,000 only took seven months. If his lies were like on the stock market, it'd be like buying Apple at $10 a share. <laughs> and the best part, I think, of when he lies is when he lies and then follows the lie with the words, it's true. They say, Mr. President, congratulations on what you've done with this country. It's true. Republicans have unleashed the greatest economic comeback in American history. It's true. What the hell does Russia have to do with my campaign? It's true. Democrats have become the party of crime. It's true. You know, in California, if you shoot a bald eagle, they put you in jail for five years. And yet the windmills wipe them all out. It's true. It's true. It's true. It's true. It's true. You know, and it's true. Ah, it's true. 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 But it's true. It's true. And it's true. It's true. Actually, that's true. It's actually true. All right. So congratulations to our great misleader, President Donald J. Trump, on this remarkable achievement. Really. Misleader in chief. Indeed. In what appears to be very related matters today from CNN, uh, the Mueller report documents at least 77 specific, specific instances where President Donald Trump's campaign staff, administration officials and family members, Republican backers and his associates lied or made false assertions to the public, to Congress, to authorities. This according to a new CNN analysis. The plurality of lies, however, came from Donald Trump himself, and most of them took place while he was president. So it's not just Donald Trump. It is everyone he works with, all of his uh, family members, his officials, 
uh, those who back him, one lie after another after another. And uh, even Robert Mueller in his report has this laid out and documented. And CNN does this very long uh, analysis of of all of uh, the what they found as 77 Trump team lies and falsehoods in the redacted version of the 448 page report from uh, from Robert Mueller. Uh, that's that's even without all of the stuff that was redacted. So though the report did not, as they know, decide whether Trump obstructed justice in violation of the law, special counsel Robert Mueller investigated it thoroughly and found in several instances both potentially obstructive behavior and motive for it, which is what would be required to bring an obstruction of justice count against someone, an actual uh, criminal charge, if that sort of thing was allowed against the president of the United States, which it is allowed, but apparently we don't do it anyway for some reason. On some of the lies CNN found, Mueller prosecuted them as uh, as crimes. Some of the lies that weren't told by the president, for example, in the court case, case says against Michael Flynn, Trump's first national security advisor, who admitted lying to the FBI, Michael Cohen, Trump's former personal lawyer and fixer, who admitted lying to Congress. Many, however, many of these falsehoods they found documented here have not led to court cases at all, many of which were because they were told by the president or his communication staffs to the American public at press conferences, in interviews, and in official statements, which apparently is not illegal at all. Lie all you want to the American people or in press conferences, in interviews, official statements put out by the White House. Those don't have to be true. One comment in particular seems to capture how the president views giving false statements to the press. Mueller notes that during the effort to spread a lie about his involvement in the white in the uh, in the response to news of the Trump Tower meeting in uh, June of 2016, where uh, his son, Don Jr., his campaign manager uh, and others met with uh, Russians who were promising dirt on Hillary Clinton. In explaining uh, his involvement about that, Trump told a group of reporters outside the White House when he was caught lying, helping to lie about that meeting. He said, quote, it's a statement to The New York Times. That's not a statement to a high tribunal of judges. So no requirement to tell the truth to them, to The New York Times, just because they'll repeat it to the American people. And because, you know, they are the, the New York Times who, by the way, have an institutional allergy, it seems, to labeling a lie as a lie. They prefer to call it a, a misstatement, a misstatement of fact, if they call it anything at all. Sometimes they just forward the lie. When they're feeling particularly frisky, I guess, they may call it a falsehood. Among the lies, at least uh, as uh, CNN calls them that, along with falsehoods that uh, CNN cataloged, uh, they cataloged lies told by Trump and his staffers to Robert Mueller as documented in his report in the redacted version of the report. For example, on that uh, Trump Tower Moscow project, Donald Trump had faced an onslaught of questions about Russia at the press conference he gave. During the presidential transition, the only one he gave in January of 2017, he was asked about his potential ties 
to uh, to Russia and uh, regarding the Trump Tower that they were working on building in Moscow. Trump replied, quote, I have no dealings with Russia. I have no deals that could happen in Russia because we've stayed away. I have no loans with Russia. This CNN notes gave the false impression that Trump never pursued any Russian deals, even though he did in 2016. As Mueller found, quote, Trump responded to questions from the media about possible connections to Russia by denying any business involvement in Russia, even though the Trump organization had pursued a business project in Russia as late as June 2016. Mueller uncovered a sustained systematic effort by Trump and his one-time attorney, Michael Cohen, to mislead the public about Trump's financial ties to Russia. The deception spanned years, included lies to the voters, to the press, to congressional committees, and to Mueller's investigators. In all, Mueller called out at least 30 lies or misleading statements about Trump Tower Moscow. Uh, he also uh, called out lies about uh, Comey's uh, firing and the fallout from that. Lies by Donald Trump and lies by Sarah Huckabee Sanders, for example, at a press conference in May of 2017, the day after Comey was fired. Sanders uh, spun the decision as one that was backed up by FBI agents who did not trust James Comey. She said, quote, the rank and file of the FBI had lost confidence in their director. Uh, a reporter pushed back, citing information that a majority of FBI agents actually supported Comey. And yet Sanders still replied falsely, quote, look, we've heard from countless members of the FBI that say very different things. Apparently, Sarah Huckabee Sanders talked to Robert Mueller about this, and apparently she admitted that that was a complete lie. Following the press conference, apparently, where she lied, uh, Sanders had spoke to the president. He told her she did a good job, did not point out any inaccuracies in her comments. Sanders told this office, the special counsel's office, that her reference to hearing from, quote, countless members of the FBI was a slip of the tongue. In fact, she heard from no members of the FBI about that. It was completely made up and it wasn't a slip of the tongue because she said it. Pardon me, countless times thereafter. Also, lies documented in the Mueller report about the Trump Tower meeting, what uh, Trump's attorney, Jay Sekulow, said about it, uh, about Michael Flynn's calls with uh, the Russian ambassador, his lies about it, KT McFarland's lies about it, about, uh, lies about additional contacts with Russians, such as Russian bankers. Jared Kushner lied about it and his personal assistant lied about it. About the attempts to fire Mueller, it documents what uh, Sarah Huckabee Sanders uh, lied about that, uh, about Donald Trump lying about presidential pardons and dangling those in front of people who were Speaking with the special counsel, Trump lied about Russian hacks and WikiLeaks, other odds and ends. The Mueller report, for example, documents a lie about, yes, hush money payments made to women alleging that they had affairs with Trump, as well as false statements to the public about former Trump campaign adviser Carter Page. In one instance that Mueller cited, Michael Cohn told the public in February of 2018 that Trump was, quote, not a party to the hush money payments, yet Cohn had, in fact, discussed them with Trump. Those false claims became part of Cohn's guilty plea in 2018 for the related crimes 
of um, campaign finance uh, fraud in a case brought by federal prosecutors in New York for which Cohn will now be going to jail for three years. But Trump, the man who uh, both Cohen and prosecutors now concede, actually directed this scheme, this felony conspiracy. He is at least currently facing no consequences for either having participated in it or for lying about it repeatedly to the American public. So little wonder he had no interest in sitting down for an interview with Robert Mueller, where he might have been forced to tell the truth. But probably not. Well, he might have been forced to, but he wouldn't have done it anyway. Well, and it wouldn't have mattered because Mueller obviously follows the Department of Justice policy that you cannot indict a sitting president, even if he lies blatantly under oath. And because rich guys apparently are uh, BSers, as that study tells us, and rarely held to any account whatsoever for their BS, they seem to just repeat, repeat it over and over again. They got away with it the first time, after all, so why not do it again? Democrats in Congress are currently allowing them to get away with it. Obama, in uh, in his White House, allowed the uh, George W. Bush administration to get away with all sorts of things, never prosecuted them for any of their eight years of lies, did not prosecute bankers who lied us into the Great Recession. So that's the message. Lying works here. So uh, will the next special counsel report then, uh, if Trump wins re-election in 2020, will it be a Trump-Romania report? Well, there is this today, courtesy again of The Washington Post. Special counsel Robert Mueller's Russia investigation, which concluded in March, raised many questions about what is and isn't appropriate when it comes to interactions between presidential campaigns and foreign entities. Well... A March visit to Romania by Brad Parscale, the manager for President Donald Trump's 2020 reelection campaign, is another Brad, uh, along with uh, Georgia Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger, that is giving all of us a bad name. Thanks, thanks, Brads. Parscale is now being scrutinized by legal experts in this Washington Post report for this paid speech he gave in Romania. This was uh, to Romanian politicians and policy experts doing so, delivering a paid speech, according to the Post's report, is perfectly legal as long as Parscale does not do any lobbying in the U.S. on behalf of foreign clients without registering as a foreign agent. That's what they got Paul Manafort on. That's what they got Mike uh, Flynn on as well. But the political figures that the Post interviewed uh, offered differing views on how advisable this is or isn't for a presidential campaign to be accepting money from foreign entities, particularly one working for a president who is still fighting like hell to demonstrate that he is not under the thumb of the Russian government. Thanks to myriad contacts by his campaign with Russians throughout the last campaign and his last campaign chairman, Paul Manafort, uh, being on the undeclared payroll of a pro-Russian Ukrainian political party. So you would think they would learn from that. They would avoid this sort of thing. But no, Brad Parscale, who is running Trump's reelection campaign, Romanian politicians offer him money to come out and make a speech, and he's like, how soon do you want me there? Some guys apparently never learn, uh, or maybe they don't need to because 
if they're not held accountable in the first place, as apparently Donald Trump so far has not been, well, you know, why should they worry about it now? Hey, when you cross the line, there's no line. <laughs> exactly. Turns out there's no line at all. Richard Painter, who served as an ethics lawyer for uh, President George W. Bush, he was critical of what Parscale did. He told the Post, the appearances are terrible. You would think that a campaign manager would not take money from foreign nationals in this political environment. It's my Richard Painter impression. Pretty good. Well, you know what? Think again, Richard. Uh, these guys, you know, they don't understand, apparently, guys like Painter, that Donald Trump lives outside the walls of accountability, outside the rule of law. Silly man. Kaylee uh, McKenney, a spokesperson for Trump's campaign, told the Post that Parscale's speech in Romania was just fine because he wasn't do because he was doing so, quote, as a private citizen. So, sure, he, he was just a private citizen who was talking to them. This wasn't the Trump campaign. He would have been invited and paid to make a speech in Romania, even if he wasn't in charge of Trump's 2020 campaign. Right. He was just some guy. Desi, have we received any calls lately from Romania for me to go out and <laughs> speak with them as a private citizen? No, just not Just share yet. my thoughts? I don't know why. So uh, the uh, Trump campaign says that he, he followed the Trump campaign's approval process governing invitations for outside speaking engagements. And I'm sure it's a very, very yes. strict and yes. stringent process. Here's what I imagine it sounds like. They go and they say, well, I've been offered a paid gig to speak to a foreign government. Cool. And then uh, they say, yeah, cool. Trump campaign approval process complete. Yep. It's gone through all of the jump through all of the hoops. Republican political strategist John Weaver, who worked on the presidential campaigns of George H.W. Bush and John McCain, he was critical of Parscale's speech in Romania, he told the paper, I've never heard of anything like this before. There are too many opportunities where there could be potential conflicts between a presidential campaign and the policies that the candidate could espouse and potential income. It is a conflict of interest zone that you just never enter into. Oh, that is so pre-2015, John Weaver. Wake up, pal. Trevor Potter. Remember him? John McCain's former uh, Republican campaign attorney. He's now the president of the nonpartisan campaign legal center. He was critical as well. He told the, the Post, it appears that the uh, Trump political organization has learned nothing from 2016 about the dangers of senior campaign personnel's entanglement with foreign money. Nonetheless, I guess we should note that Romania is a former, former Eastern Bloc country. It has enjoyed friendly relations with the U.S. since the 90s. Uh, after the fall of the Ceausescu re regime, uh, the uh, communist dictatorship there in 1989, Romania became a democracy, went on to join the EU in the 90s uh, and NATO in 2004. Parscale, according to the Post, made little reference to Romania during his speech, and he spoke about the U.S. campaigns of 2016 and 2020. When he was asked about U.S. policy toward NATO, Parscale declined to comment, told the Romanian attendees, quote, that's way too policy for me. I don't work for the administration. 
No, just for his re-election campaign. Totally different. Completely separate. Right. And uh, I'm sure he's not speaking to anybody else when he's not talking in his speech. He has no conversation, say, in back rooms or privately or in cars or anything like that. Don't know. Let's uh, light up another special counsel, I guess, and find out. And, yeah, if the Trump administration ever finds itself in a position, you know, where they have to make a decision, take a position uh, for or against Romania on any particular thing, and they choose for Romania, well, I'm sure nobody will have any concerns at all about uh, or questions about the Trump campaign manager being on the payroll of Romania. Total coincidence. He was just a private citizen. What is it about appearance of conflict of interest that these guys do not understand? Actually, I suspect they do understand it. They understand it well. They just don't give a damn. They can just lie about them over and over again because, as we now know, lying works really, really well, especially for rich white guys in the U.S. Quick break, and we're back with more... Lies and rich white guys right after this. I'm Brad Friedman. Don't touch that dial. Hey, this is Brad. Do you enjoy your non-corporatized, commercial-free Bradcast? Yeah, me too. But we need your help to stay that way. Please consider supporting the investigative blogging, broadcasting, and muckraking that we do here on the Bradcast and the Green News Report and bradblog.com with a donation. It's easy. Stop by bradblog.com slash donate and drop a few dollars in the tip jar. You can make a one-time contribution or an automatic monthly donation of any amount you like. It's easy. It'll take you about 60 seconds and you'll help me and Desi stay on the air to continue our troublemaking and muckraking without the corporate influence of anyone. Got it? Thanks. Stop by bradblog.com slash donate to help us out today. Tell me lies, tell me sweet little lies. That's what they do. Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. And why are lies a problem? Well, uh, there was a story about an hour ago that... Uh, Juan Guaido of uh, Venezuela, who has declared himself to be the president of Venezuela uh, instead of Venezuelan president Nicolas Maduro, he declared uh, he called for a military uprising to throw Maduro out of office. And the U.S. supported this, said they supported this military uprising. That was about an hour ago. And uh, just uh, during the last segment there, this news comes in from CNN. Uh, Secretary of State Mike Pompeo says Venezuelan President Nicolas Maduro was preparing to leave his country, but was talked out of it by Russia. Now, that's the uh, news headline coming from CNN. I have no idea if it is true. I have no idea. Well, I believe that Mike Pompeo uh, says that, but I have no idea if Mike Pompeo is telling the truth because he and everyone in his administration lie all the time about absolutely everything. So who knows? Who knows if this is true? Uh, I'm sure uh, folks are, are on uh, Venezuela watch today will be uh, keeping their eye on this situation. Also breaking news just within the past few minutes. 
from the Washington Post, uh, the uh, emoluments case against Donald Trump can proceed. The case uh, claiming that he is violating the Constitution by accepting money from from foreigners via his hotels and other businesses, etc. Judge says that can proceed, which provides potential access to information about Trump's private business deals, which he is very much trying to keep from happening at all. Very much. Uh, and to that end, you know, we've been talking about how well lies work and that they're, you know, we've now established that. that and there's no accountability. There is no accountability, not just for Donald Trump, but lies work overall for for the wealthy, for the wealthy. Yeah, it helps them get wealthier, I guess. It's a great idea for getting ahead in society, uh, except for the very few that are held accountable, like Michael Flynn and Michael, uh, Michael Cohen. But. You know, the first Michael there will probably get a pardon, I suspect. So it will have worked for him as well. And so, you know what else works really well other than lying? At least if we can learn anything from the Democrats fear of impeaching Donald Trump in the wake of the Mueller report. Obstruction. Obstruction works really well as well. And so naturally, the obstruction is continuing from the Trump administration and his family over Democrats looking into any of their business dealings whatsoever. They are really freaking out about this. Uh, Last night, the New York Times broke the story that President Trump, his three eldest children and his private company filed a federal lawsuit on Monday against Deutsche Bank and Capital One. What's in your subpoena in a bid to prevent the banks from responding to uh, congressional subpoenas, uh, which are seeking financial documents of Trump, his children and his companies? uh, They have now filed this lawsuit to to force to try to keep Deutsche Bank and Capital One from turning over these documents, which they are required to do because they have been subpoenaed by Congress. In the suit filed in the federal courthouse in Manhattan, the president and his family members argue that the Democratic-controlled House committee leaders who issued the subpoenas have engaged in overreach. The suit filed by Trump's private attorneys. So this is not the White House. This is not the administration. This is his private attorneys. Uh, The suit argues that the case involves congressional subpoenas that have no legitimate or lawful purpose. The suit says the subpoenas were issued to harass President Donald J. Trump to rummage through every aspect of his personal finances, his businesses and the private information of the president and his family and to ferret about uh, for any material that might be used to cause him political damage. No grounds exist to establish any purpose other than a political one, according to Uh, The allegations in this lawsuit from Donald Trump's private attorneys. Uh, It is not unlike the suit that Trump recently filed against the is his accounting firm, Mazars USA, which is also responding to lawful subpoenas to produce financial documents sought by Congress following, among other things, Trump's uh, former personal lawyer, Michael Cohen, charging in congressional testimony that Trump frequently lied on various financial forms, increasing his net worth when it suited him, you know, to get loans, etc., decreasing his financial worth when it suited him for purchasing insurance, etc. 
Trump's real estate company as well. Uh, uh, I'm sorry, the House uh, Intelligence and Financial Service uh, Financial Services Committees issued subpoenas to Deutsche Bank, which is a longtime lender to Trump's company, his real estate company, as well as to a range of other firms and financial institutions. Congresswoman Maxine Waters, the chair of the Financial Services Committee, and Congressman Adam Schiff, my uh, my congressman, uh, he's the chair of the Intelligence Committee. He called the Trump lawsuit against the financial services companies, quote, meritless in a uh, joint statement together with, uh, with Waters and said that it demonstrates, quote, the depths to which President Trump will go to obstruct Congress's constitutional oversight authority. As a private businessman, they said Trump routinely used his well-known litigiousness and the threats of lawsuits to intimidate others, but he will find that Congress will not be deterred from carrying out its constitutional responsibilities. Well, we'll see. This lawsuit is not designed to succeed. Uh, they said it is only designed to put off meaningful accountability as long as possible. After the Times broke the story on Monday evening, Trump's private attorneys uh, who filed the lawsuit, lawsuits, I guess, against the uh, two banks, issued a statement saying we filed the case to protect the privacy rights of the president, his family and their businesses. The subpoenas issued to Deutsche Bank and Capital One by chairpersons Schiff and Waters are unlawful and illegitimate. They seek information going back decades from anyone with a tangential connection to the president, including children, minors and spouses. Those are tangential con connections. Uh, they just happen to be my children who are running my companies now. That's just tangential. Uh, they said uh, the uh, Trump's lawyer said every every citizen should be concerned about this sweeping lawless invasion of privacy. We look forward to vindicating our clients rights in this matter. Well, that's thoughtful of them. They are watching out, Desi, for you and me. Of course, the private citizens, the rights of all citizens who I know are, are very concerned uh, here and are, appreciate the Trump uh, lawyers looking out for us. You know, the privacy rights of citizens who become president could be uh, and their families could be intruded upon someday. So uh, at least if it looks like they are attempting to carry out any crimes in any event uh, on its surface, these lawsuits, uh, frankly, seem baseless to me. I'm not an attorney here, but a lawful congressional subpoena is a lawful congressional subpoena. Yeah, but you know, then again, he may be hoping to run out the clock past the 2020 well, election with endless lawsuits, endless appeals, so that it won't be in front of voters' minds when they go to vote in 2020. I don't, yeah, maybe so, but they're going to be, what's going to be in front of voters' minds is conversation about this and these fights and these motions. You know, Congress has the right to subpoena whoever they like, so long as, as I understand it, it is for some legitimate purpose. Oversight of the executive branch and its main occupant uh, and whether he is a criminal or not seems a legitimate purpose. That holds true uh, also in the Ways and Means Committee and their attempt to re to review uh, Trump's tax returns they, as they are entitled to by law. 
uh, to obtain those from the IRS, which has still so far refused to comply with that statutory congressional request. That's just one of many unprecedented constitutional crises that we are now in and or headed towards. And I know, you know, these are just being dealt with like a few uh, New York Times said this lawsuit uh, increases the um, the feud between Congress and the president. Oh, is that what they're calling it? It's a feud. It? Yeah. And the president sometimes uh, tells misstatements, not lies. Am I right? New York Times. According to Politico, House Democrats are interested in the uh, in Trump's financial records as part of their probe into how his business empire has influenced political decisions that he has made. And they note that Deutsche Bank, uh, which has in the past been accused of money laundering, uh, said in a statement that they still intend to comply with these congressional probes at this time. So, uh, yeah, you know, what are the chances that this strategy actually works, uh, that they can actually stop these subpoenas? I don't think there's much of any chance. You suggest, well, as long as they can hold it off until after uh, the next year's election. That's a long time, though, man. Yeah, it's true. That's uh, still 18 months away. I can't imagine this thing would be held up for that long unless... Unless the U.S. Supreme Court says, "Okay, we'll take a look at it, you know, next year in our next session, something like that. The stolen U.S. Supreme Court that, uh, as uh, Mark Joseph Stern of Slate, when we talked to him a week or so ago, he said that, you know, changes everything. The calculation for everything, things that we would have never thought would have even made it to the Supreme Court that would have even been heard by the court are now potentially could not only be heard by the court, but decided in a way that nobody would have ever foreseen until now. Because they're the Supreme Court, they can do whatever they want. Even as we were you know, discussing, I think, uh, somehow uh, blocking an impeachment or something. Remember, Donald Trump said, if I'm uh, if the Democrats move to impeach me, I will go to the Supreme Court. Right. His fallback position. And there is no fallback position to go to the Supreme Court. There's nothing a Supreme Court constitutionally can do to block a legitimate congressional impeachment. So, you know, I had asked Mark about that and he said, you know, I don't know what he's talking about. But with this Supreme Court at this point, who knows? So uh, who knows what they're going to do? Uh, so the obstruction of everything is continuing, despite the fact that, uh, you know, Congress is constitutionally mandated to do oversight of the executive branch. That is continuing elsewhere. Uh, and yet we're now also on this standoff, this feud, if you will. Am I right, uh, New York Times, concerning whether the attorney general, Bill Barr, will testify at all on Thursday be uh, before the House Intelligence Committee? He's going to be uh, uh, appearing before the before a Senate uh, committee, the Senate Judiciary Committee on um, on Wednesday. That is run by Republicans. But the uh, Democratic House committee who would like to talk to Bill Barr, they would like to have counsel from both sides question Bill Barr uh, half hour each. Uh, Republicans, Democratic counsel, they are moving ahead with a vote to do exactly that for this Thursday questioning. The uh, Justice Department has, has said if they do this, 
the attorney general will not show up, that he remains, quote, happy to engage with members on their questions regarding the Mueller report, but that he won't speak to uh, to counsel, which is ridiculous. They do this all the time. You may recall that Republicans brought in counsel to question Brett Kavanaugh during the Supreme Court hearings, uh, confirmation hearings last year. So the idea that Bill Barr has anything at all to say about this and who he gets to be questioned by is absurd. Jerry Nadler uh, said as much when Bill Barr started bringing this nonsense up. He is not going to dictate the format of the Judiciary Committee. And the witness is not going to tell the committee uh, how to conduct its, its hearing. Period. Well, well, the witness is trying to, and uh, House Judiciary uh, Democrats took one step closer now to a showdown with Barr. The, on Wednesday, they've scheduled a vote on the plan for the additional hour of questioning, which would be, uh, as I say, equally divided between the majority and the minority. It could be done according to the, uh, what they're planning to vote on by either members uh, or committee staff. It's up to either side. According to a notice for this vote, the move signals that uh, the Democrats are not going to back off of this. Either way, as I said, Barr is going to appear before the Senate Judiciary Committee on Wednesday. And then today, House Judiciary Chair Jerry Nadler says the committee plans to go ahead with that hearing scheduled for Thursday, whether Bill Barr shows up or not. I guess the old empty chair hearing. So uh, we'll we don't know. We'll see. According to Politico, uh, Nadler said administration witnesses or any witnesses have to come in and be examined as the committee sees fit, not as they see fit. He is supposed to show up on Thursday and we will take whatever action to take if he doesn't. They threaten that uh, if uh, he doesn't show up, then they're going to issue a subpoena. And if he doesn't answer to that to that subpoena, what happens then? Well, I guess they could vote for him to be in contempt of Congress. Well, if that happens, who is going to enforce that? Well, I do remember years ago speaking with John Conyers and he mentioned there's actually a jail. Oh, yes. In the Capitol building. So. You know, the House <laughs> could send out this is, you know, could send out the sergeant of arms to arrest the attorney general and put him in jail in the Capitol for contempt of Congress. Seems unlikely that Democrats would get anywhere near that. But that is the sort of thing we are headed to, at least until Democrats figure out how to back off. Quick break and we're back with Desi Doyen and the latest Green News report. Constitutional crises be damned. I'm Brad Friedman. This is the Bradcast. The Bradcast and the Green News Report are 100% independent, 100% listener supported. But we can't do it alone. We need you. Please help us bring real facts to listeners at independent stations around the nation. Please drop by bradblog.com donate. That's bradblog.com donate. And thanks. I'll stop the world 
So, you know, Desi Doyen, you mentioned over the break there that you can't imagine Democrats actually arresting uh, these people. I yes. can't imagine it either, but it should be noted that Senator Sam Irvin, during the White House, I'm sorry, during the uh, Watergate uh, hearings back in the 70s, did threaten to go out and arrest some of these administration officials if they defied subpoenas. Well, so there is an historic precedent. Uh, historic, At least for the threat. For the threat, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Wow. We'll see what happens. Crazy Stay times. tuned. Until then, let's get to it. Our latest Green News report. These villages have been entirely wiped out. They look like they've been run over by a bulldozer. Humanitarian crisis expands after back-to-back cyclones slam Mozambique. U.S. Interior Department delays offshore drilling expansion. Voters in Spain opt for a Spanish version of the Green New Deal. Nuevo Acuerdo Verde. That's right, gringo. Plus... And we right now have the cleanest air and the cleanest water. Nope. Air pollution is actually getting worse again in the United States. All of those stories and more straight ahead. From Bradblog.com, I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyan. Stand by for six minutes of independent green news, politics, analysis, and snarky comment. The only thing green about the so-called Green New Deal is how much green it's going to cost all of us if they ever sign it into law. That's right, gringo. This is your... Green News Report. Okay, Desi Doyen, as we feared, bad news in Mozambique. Yes, unfortunately. International aid groups are struggling to deliver food, water, medical care, and shelter to survivors of Cyclone Kenneth, which struck Mozambique as a Category 4 late last week. More than 40 are confirmed dead. Tens of thousands are displaced. Kenneth is slow-moving, with several more days of significant flooding still to come. Mm. Gemma Connell of the United Nations Office of Humanitarian Affairs, who is in Mozambique, reports widespread devastation in the Cabo Delgado province. We've seen some of the villages that were hardest hit by the eye of Cyclone Kenneth. These villages have been entirely wiped out. They look like they've been run over by a bulldozer. The people are asking first for shelter, then they need water and purification, and they need food. The storm struck at the beginning of the harvest season and has wiped out most crops. Kenneth was the strongest cyclone on record to ever hit the region, and it was the second of two cyclones in a month, which was also a record. As U.N. scientists have warned, the impacts of man-made global warming will strike the world's poorest first and worst. This just weeks after the previous cyclone, Cyclone Ide, killed about a thousand people there. Tens of thousands of people remain in temporary shelters. Here in the U.S., Trump's acting FEMA director, Pete Gaynor, says Americans need to assume more responsibility for protecting themselves from the rising costs of extreme weather disasters. He told Bloomberg News, that while recent changes made by FEMA and Congress will accelerate the agency's disaster response, it's not going to be enough. He said more people need to carry flood insurance and pressure state and local officials to impose tougher building codes to withstand the escalating threats of extreme weather. Wait, we need to tell state and local officials to do this? The federal government wants no part of it? Apparently not. Too bad, because that's in the Green New Deal. Meanwhile, new Trump Interior Secretary David Bernhardt 
has confirmed that the agency will delay its plans to open nearly all of the nation's coastlines for offshore drilling. Good. That's due to a court ruling that reinstated President Obama's ban on drilling in parts of the U.S. Arctic and the Atlantic. Womp womp. However, that delay may actually help Trump in the 2020 election by quieting voter opposition in key coastal states like Florida, where they are vehemently against offshore drilling. A bipartisan group of Florida state legislators last week introduced a bill to outright ban offshore drilling off of Florida's coast. But everywhere else, not so much. But the Trump administration is moving ahead with expanding drilling on land. Late last week, the Interior Department released a plan to open up over one million acres of public and private land in California for oil drilling and fracking. Both the state and environmental groups have vowed to sue. Toxic air pollution in America is getting worse again after years of improvement. That's according to the annual State of the Air report issued by the American Lung Association. The report found that over the past two years, more cities showed increased levels of year-round particle pollution. The report blamed climate change causing more forest fires and the Trump administration's rollback of air pollution standards. And yet Trump spent years saying all he cares about is clean water and clean air. And now it's getting dirtier under his watch. Yeah. Imagine that. Finally, some good news. In elections in Spain over the weekend, the center-left Socialist Workers' Party won the position of prime minister and 29 percent of seats in parliament by campaigning on a Spanish version of the Green New Deal that's been popularized in the United States by freshman Democratic Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez of New York. I've heard of her. The sweeping platform called for decarbonizing Spain's economy and transitioning away from coal to clean energy, and it won over a strong majority of voters in coal mining regions by pledging funding for a just transition for coal miners with retirement and retraining for new jobs. You know, the same thing would happen here if those coal miners stopped watching Fox News where they don't tell them that part. The platform called for, quote, a new social contract, a new pact between capital, work and the planet. For much more on all of these stories and the ones we couldn't get to today, check out our website at greennews.bradblog.com. Find, follow and share us planetwide on the Facebooks and the Twitters at Green News Report. I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyan. And this has been your Green News Report. There you go. A green news for Spain, at least. Nuevo Acuerdo Verde. (laughs) Or something like it. Green New Deal. Yeah. All right, that's it. Got to get out. Thank you very much to Desi Doyen and to all of you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. If you missed any portion of today's show or any other, download it anytime for free and share it with your friends via bradblog.com. Drop me email if you like. I am bradcast at bradblog.com, and I hope you will find and follow me and share me on the Twitters and the Facebooks at the Brad blog. Finally, as ever, my thanks to those of you who help us keep going at this every day by stopping by bradblog.com slash donate. We rely on you and only you to stay on your public airwaves. That is it. Until we meet again, I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world.
saben las tristezas. 